Hey guys, thanks for listening to this message from Soli Church. Our prayer is that this message would be a blessing and resource for you. But no sermon or podcast can ever take the place of being connected to a local church. If you're in or around the Ventura County area, we would love for you to join us. You can find when and where we are meeting by visiting solelychurch.com. S-O-L-I church.com. Rest in Jesus, Christian. Actually, you know what? Sorry, Pastor David. You guys want to stay standing with me? This is good. Good morning, Soli. Uh, this is going to be our uh, New Testament passage for this morning. It's the passage that we're going to be studying. So let me read Luke chapter 1, 57 through 80. And this is the birth of John the Baptist. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted to be called. And he called for a writing table and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, there is uh, joy bubbling in our hearts because of what we celebrate this week. And Lord, though there may be circumstances in our lives, most likely circumstances in our lives that cause us to be weary or be discouraged or frustrated, Lord, we thank you that our ultimate hope is born this Saturday that we celebrate the joy that we have that has come to the world 
Lord, I ask that now, Holy Spirit, through your power, that you would enable me, use the man that I am, my experiences, that you'd use me as your vessel to speak and to preach this passage. Holy Spirit, would you also enable all of our ears as we hear this word, that you'd be doing a work in us that would bear fruit in our lives, that you would cause us to rest, and Lord, that joy that we have now would only be magnified in the next 20, 30 minutes because of the hope that we read in these passages. We pray all this for your glory, for your fame, Lord Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Well, it is the fourth week in Advent, and as you've heard us say, and you've also seen it printed on your liturgies every week, our theme this year is the dawn of redeeming grace. Uh, I don't get to do this as often as I would like anymore, but in my life I have spent many a morning standing in a cold parking lot somewhere with my buddies waiting for the sun to come up so we could see enough to see if the waves were good or if we needed to go looking somewhere else. And this is uh, lovingly known as Dawn Patrol. Yeah, Keith. <laughs> we call this Dawn Patrol. And if you can get past the painful part of waking up and the cold, the mornings are actually really magical to watch that landscape change. And those mornings where all of us have the time to really enjoy. It's not like when you're asleep in a dark room and somebody comes and turns on all the lights and it's painful and it leaves you squinting. It's more beautiful than that to watch the dawn unfold. And this beautiful process takes place as the pitch black turns to shades of blue, turns to shades of orange or purple, ultimately to yellow, looking forward to the dawn of the sun coming up over the mountains. Things that we were once squinting to see now become clear. Shadows give way to real objects. A 2D, very flat world all of a sudden becomes very deep, very 3D. And it's funny, this morning, this cold that we've been experiencing in these last, this last week, or even this morning specifically, as I walked out there just to get into the sun because it was so cold and feeling the warmth on my skin. There's that longing and expectation as the sun comes up for that sun finally peers over the mountains and you feel the warmth of your skin that only becomes magnified by the cold that you just were ex experiencing. You know, in all the poetry of creation, it all points to Christ. These things aren't by accident, but they're by design. And just like I would be jumping up and down, bundled up, seeing my breath in the air, waiting for the sun to come up so I could see, so too this is the, the backdrop of where we've seen God's people. They've been eagerly waiting in the dark of silence of 400 years, waiting for God to move again, waiting for him to speak again. And Luke has been guiding us through these moments, through his account that we've been going through for these weeks. First, we saw Zechariah visited in the temple. And then second, we saw the birth of Jesus proclaimed to Mary. And third, last week, we saw John leap in the womb of Elizabeth when Mary goes to meet her. 
And today we're going to see the birth of John the Baptist, of Elizabeth giving birth. And each one of these moments is building more and more, one on top of the other, of anticipation and expectation of the dawn of redeeming grace, of the sun that we will soon see. As we pick up in verse 57, we see that Elizabeth here is, has given birth to John. And all her relatives and neighbors come and they rejoice and they celebrate with her because the Lord has shown mercy to Elizabeth. In her old age, she has conceived and bore a son. And then they come together according to the covenant on the eighth day to circumcise John, but not only circumcise him, but it's customary that they would give him his name on that day. And unlike us today where we can have names picked out before the baby's born, I mean, maybe even before we're married, we have like dibs on names that for 20 years from now, that's going to be my kid's name, don't take it. But it was the assumption of their friends that because of customs and because of the name and family's names in their, in their family that this child would be, would be named after Zechariah. And this assumption proves to be the pivotal moment in this scene that we're looking at. In all of Luke's detail through this account so far, we don't find any place where Elizabeth is told that the boy's name will be John. Now, it may have been revealed to her, or it could be God's divine plan that she just chose the name John, which means Yahweh has shown favor for obvious reasons, because God has shown favor to Elizabeth. But the possibility of this not being a decision they come to together gives way to probability when we see the reaction of the people present. That this is a decision, this is a name that they have both come to individually. Elizabeth first exclaims that he shall be called John. And then the people, their neighbors, her community pushes back on her because no one in their families named that. And if you remember back in verse 20, the passage that Pastor Nate preached, Zechariah has been silenced for his doubt this whole time. Her entire pregnancy has not been able to speak. Maybe some of you women would have loved that for your husband, just silence for nine months. But for nine months, he's not only been mute, but he's been deaf. In their time, these two things were related. And we can see this by the people then making signs to Zechariah to ask him, like, she's naming this, she wants to name it John. Like, that's not your name, that's not your family, and they're trying to communicate with him. And so he asked for this tablet. And Zechariah hasn't heard that Elizabeth has called the boy's name John. And so he writes down, his name is John. And it says, they all wondered. Wonder by the name, wonder by how both of them are coming to this conclusion, and they're beginning to see the supernatural in effect. They're beginning to see God's hand on this beyond the blessing of the Lord for Elizabeth to conceive a child. This moment has just shifted. They're rejoicing and celebrating 
but she has bore a son. But even this is going to shift even further and go into amazement and wonder as they soon see that as soon as he writes down his name will be John, what does it say? His mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke. You know, for 400 years, there was no words from the prophets, no word from God, silence. You imagine these people who don't have the distractions that we have, don't have iPhones, although there's a tablet in this passage, but don't have iPads and iPhones. Um, so you imagine they wake up every day consumed, looking at the world around them, seeing they're in exile again, under persecution again, and there's just silence, silence, silence. Waiting and waiting, generation after generation, standing in the cold, looking to the horizon, praying for hope. And in beautiful imagery and poetry, the 400-year silence, this quiet, the silence of God is broken as Zechariah's nine-month silence is broken and gives way to prophetic speech by the Holy Spirit. And this moment, this imagery, this miracle is not lost on this group. It says, And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. You know, this is the first time we're seeing this news break out into the world. If you remember, Zechariah came out of the table out of the temple, unable to hear and unable to speak. So it says all the people saw him, realized something happened in there. But you imagine he can't hear and he can't communicate. And then it says Elizabeth went into hiding for five months. And then Mary, she immediately goes and she goes for three months to visit Elizabeth. And the dawn of redeeming grace has been breaking in, but really slowly, quietly. And this is the first time where that silence is broken and this great news is spread throughout this whole hill country in Judea. This hope that God is on the move once again, this thing that we've been waiting for. All their minds consumed with this every day, every passing moment, waiting and waiting for God to fulfill the promise, for God to do what he said he would do, thinking all the way back to their fathers. And it says, they laid them up in their hearts. This hope, they wrapped their, heart, their hearts around that thing. They were so excited, and they wouldn't let it go. You see the, the desperation in them. You see the longing, waiting, 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 waiting. Kids, it feels like these, every day my daughter Everly counts on our big calendar, how many days till Christmas. It's the longest month of the year. Just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. What immediately follows is in verse 68 to 79 is the words uh, that Zechariah spoke. And it's the song that Ethan just led us in. And we've seen the Holy Spirit come on Mary 
We've seen uh, the Holy Spirit moving on each one in each one of these scenes. And now we see the Holy Spirit come on Zechariah and empower as he then speaks. You know, and Zechariah doesn't begin by pointing to future events. He takes his cues or it's the same Holy Spirit that spoke through Mary in her Magnificat. And so now it's the same Holy Spirit that's not pointing to a future, but what does he say? God has visited and redeemed his people, has raised up a horn of salvation. The Messiah has come, the long-awaited forever king, who wouldn't fail like all the kings of Israel's past. But this king would reign and would reign forever. Zechariah then begins to quickly go through and reaching back to this promise, right? This is the hope that they have, that all these promises that were promised to them are now coming true, that they've been clinging on to. And so he reaches back to these promises. He reaches back to the covenant God promised that he made with Abraham in Genesis 15. If you guys remember when Abraham was in a deep sleep and God walks through that covenant blood on his own, binding himself to himself, making a promise to Abraham, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. He reaches back to the language of Exodus, almost the exact phrase when he says, being delivered from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear. And he reaches back to the words of the prophets declaring that this forever king would come from the house of David. And all this rejoicing, all this celebrating, all this promise keeping is set in a scene and with language of social and political oppression. Twice, Zechariah talks about being delivered from our enemies and the hand of all who hate us. But you know, this salvation didn't come through social revolution or political upheaval in the natural. Look at the job description that Zechariah gives his son that was declared by the prophets. It's in 76 where his song shifts to now, John, this is what you'll do. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord. You will go before this forever king. And here's your job. One, to prepare his ways. And two, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. How? In the forgiveness of their sins. This salvation that came to humanity, this salvation that we celebrate wasn't merely the correcting of some social issues, wasn't the demise of, of a corrupt leader. This was the establishment of a whole new kingdom. And this new kingdom being ushered in by this new king will not be another competing natural kingdom, but a cosmic kingdom reigning over everything. The life and ministry of Jesus was revealing that. If you guys remember, just think back to all those sermons when we were going through Mark. Jesus was displaying his power over the darkness that was truly enslaving humanity. The true tyrant in our lives, Jesus was showing that he had conquered. His miracles of casting out demons and healing the sick were a display of this power. If you guys uh, 
we, we taught it, but it's just a few verse or a few chapters ahead in Luke. It's in Luke 5. But you remember the story of all the guys who climbed up on the roof and they lowered their buddy down to be healed by Jesus? Do you remember the first thing Jesus said to the lame man in there? He said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the religious elite in that moment who are only concerned with the politics of their day were bent out of shape by that. And so Jesus says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick your pick up your bed and go home. Jesus has come and is displaying true power. He's displaying this kingdom, this now and not yet kingdom, this kingdom that will reign over everything. And the true tyrant of sin that is oppressing, he has come to deal with and he has dealt with. He is the better Adam. He is the better Moses. He is the better David this true king. And you know, this is hard for us to hold. This is hard for me to hold uh, because it's the now and not yet kingdom, right? We look out in our world and we just see brokenness. We see pain. We see suffering. But solely Christian, this is, this is why, or one of so many reasons why it's so important we gather on Sundays, why it's so beautiful that we gather on Sundays. Because this is the display, as Pastor Noyce has already walked through this morning, this is the display of the new kingdom. We are citizens of this new kingdom that no matter what is going on around us, we are free people. This salvation that came to you and I, born in a humble, cold, stinky barn that we celebrate on Saturday, has made us free in the most true sense of the word. And no matter what we encounter when we go out these doors, has no effect, brother and sister, on your freedom. And don't let the world tell you otherwise. You are free. We celebrate freedom, true freedom, this Saturday. John, you already stole the words out of my mouth quoting this guy over here, that we're the theater of this kingdom. We're the ones who put this kingdom on display. You know why? Because we're the only ones who know what it looked like. The world doesn't know what this kingdom looks like. And so in these broken kingdoms and these power struggles, they look to the church and they see the kingdom of God, they see the future. We are the people from the future that are now here, living in the present, to display this reigning kingdom in our neighborhoods, in our schools. And we do that through this here. That's why this is so important. Our freedom doesn't mean, and it's hard, our freedom doesn't mean that we don't experience oppression, that we don't experience persecution, pain, or suffering. Our freedom is that we have freedom even in the midst of those things. And we know and we hope 
that one day everything will be made right. That ultimately the now and not yet kingdom will come in full power and we will see it on this earth reigning. But in this now and not yet kingdom, Christian, our brothers and sisters in China, Afghanistan, Yemen, North Korea, they're not less free than we are. They are as free as we are because they are a free people just like you and I are. And Zechariah, he understood this. He understood this kingdom would be like no other kingdom on earth. And his son was going to be the one who was going to prepare, as was said by the prophets, was going to prepare the way for this king. And with each passing event that we've been going through, the dawn is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And it says, because of the tender mercies of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The light from the sun will give light to those who sit in darkness, to the outcast, to the downtrodden, to the hurting, suffering, the one in pain, the one in sorrow. and to those in the shadow of death. And the light from the sun will guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the hope and the joy that we have. And as we close, verse 80, we find John growing and waiting in the wilderness, right? John is among those. He's among the outcast, the rejects sitting on the outskirts, alone, in the wilderness. You know, and Jesus will come and not try to find his place and make his way with the religious elite. He won't come and try to make buddies with the, with the most rich, the most wealthy. But Jesus is first going to go see John. He's He's going to go join the, the broken. He's going to go join those in the wilderness before he crosses over that Jordan into Jerusalem to display, as like I've already said, display this true kingdom in a way that nobody saw coming. And he gives hope to all the weary, peace to the fearful, and salvation Amen to the lost. You know, we place a lot of hope in silly things in this life. We do it all the time. And that feeling of disappointment is just too familiar. Placing our hope in things that just can't carry that weight. What's so fun, so awesome so joyful, I mean, searching for adequate words, is that this week, looking towards what we celebrate Saturday morning, is that Christians, we have something that we can place our hope in that's secure, that can carry all that weight, that will fulfill its promises 
more so than we can even imagine. And so this week, we're, we're on dawn patrol. We're waiting and waiting and waiting, expecting the coming of the sun, the dawn of the sun. This king, our forever king, our only hope, our salvation, our elder brother, we anticipate his appearance. We anticipate the sun coming up over those mountains with expecting hearts, this dawn of redeeming grace. Soli, I pray that you all have a Merry Christmas this Saturday. Lord willing that we all gather next Sunday and rejoice together in what we've been given. But families, children, as we wake up Christmas morning, my prayer is that all of our hearts, before we touch one present, all of our hearts will be filled to overflowing because of the salvation that we have received through the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus, the greatest gift that we've ever received. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful. This gift that you've given us through your son, that we look forward to eagerly anticipating this day that we get to celebrate. In our Christian calendar, our festival of rejoicing together as a people in the establishment, the coming of your kingdom. Lord, that not, that first began giving peace with God and Lord's trickles out as we have peace with man. Lord, would you help us in, in this week through the power of your spirit to put this kingdom on display uh, in our families, where we work, on our street, with our friends. Lord, everywhere we go, would we be a display of this? But Lord, on this special day, this day that the world revolves around, Sunday, we thank you and praise you that solely is a reflection of this kingdom. Keep that true of us, Lord Jesus, we pray. We say thank you and rejoice in this great gift that you have given us. May that joy fill us to overflowing now and forevermore, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.